Welcome to another episode of Putting the Pieces Together with Jigsaw Learning. I'm joined today by Lorna Hewson, lead learner and co-founder of Jigsaw Learning. And we're going to talk a little bit today about the foundational understandings of collaborative response. So hi, Lorna. I'm really excited to have you again. Hi, Jen. It's good to be with you again. So it's been a while since we've talked about the shifts in collaborative response based on the learning that we've done with our partners. Based on those shifts, what are you seeing as some of the foundational understandings in collaborative response? So this has been an incredibly interesting journey, <laughs> as you know, over the years that we've been working through the ideas and, and concepts of collaborative response. Um, the uh, In the initial design, uh, we had a very clear understanding and, in, and what's in our first book um, about collaborative team meetings, knowing that there needed to be some assessments involved in that practice, and then, of course, our uh, pyramid of interventions. Since that time, you probably have seen a number of blogs, a lot of our changes on our websites that have, have been occurring around uh, those shifts, those significant shifts to even the visual um, in thinking about how we truly uh, implement those ideas around collaborative response and creating a collaborative response. Well, since that time, there have been some foundational understandings that have become really clear to us, probably in the last uh, two years. And we do have a book coming out soon, hopefully, <laughs> that will clearly define uh, some of the changes and some of the new thinking that we have done around collaborative response and uh, and absolutely through the learning that we've done with our schools. So Jen, one of the very first things that has become really clear to us and has really changed our thinking is um, schools thinking about the layering of teams that they have available to them in their school. So this is about being able to examine what are the supports that you have in place in your school? What are those teams that provide those additional resources to schools, to classroom teachers, to ensure that the needs of students are in place and, and are being met? We have uh, really begun to think about how do we take those structures that are available in school and align them with our continuum of supports. And knowing that, of course, our continuum of supports has four tiers as opposed to the traditional RTI model of three tiers. So when we think about those teams, those layers of teams, we have uh, four teams that we think are absolutely critical in ensuring that no children fall through the cracks. So our first team, of course, is our collaborative planning team. And that's when we have opportunities for teachers to get together, look at, examine their curriculum, develop uh, assessment tools together. It really is that teacher collaboration time where they're really focused on pedagogy and practice and instruction. The second layer is a collaborative team meetings. And of course, as you already know, <laughs> we spend an awful lot of time talking about collaborative team meetings. And that truly is the layer that is a substantial part of how we form a collaborative response. 
The third layer is our learning support team meeting. And this structure has been in place for a very long time, as is the case consult team meeting layer. So both the learning support team meeting and the case conference team meeting are both intended to support individual needs of children. Both of those structures have been in place for as long as I can remember. I started my career as a, as a resource room teacher. <laughs> and uh, in, in the resource room teacher, I was um, asked to provide individualized supports for grade three students. Yeah. So when I when I think about those structures that we've had in place for a long time, we've been uh, creating a separate uh, embedded time for teachers to work on planning for a long time. And of course, a lot of that came from the work of DeFores around professional learning communities. And it was um, identifying the importance of teachers getting together and having that time embedded in their day to be able to do the planning and the work around curriculum and the work around instruction, of course, clearly tied to tier one in our continuum of supports. That 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 is what is happening for classroom instruction and the support of that team is providing the development of what happens at tier one. So those are clearly connected. Then I'm going to jump up to that learning support team and the case conference team meeting. Both of those have had really historical origins all the way back to university. <laughs> and in university, we really have um, engaged in the educational um, teaching of most people who are going into education are engaging in the work around specific curriculum. So they might have a major in English or they might have a, a major in phys ed with a, a minor in sciences or, but it really truly is focused on that tier one on what are we doing in our classroom? How do we become an effective classroom teacher? That was one stream. And then the other stream was the special ed kind of stream where teachers um, did additional learning around how do we support students with diverse needs. So in essence, we have created those two separate streams that have been paralleled in the work in schools. So when we look at uh, the continuum of supports, we look at those four tiers, we look at tier one being supported by our collaborative planning time, um, I'm going to come back to tier two. <laughs> and then tier three is supported by our learning support team. And of course, tier four, those extensive supports are supported by our case conference meeting team. Tier two, for a long time, has been left to, uh, to classroom teachers to describe differentiation. So what do you do in your classroom to meet the needs of some of your kids some of the time, depending on what their need is? And so what we say is that co the collaborative team meeting structure is a very specific structure that supports that uh, those ideas around differentiation. So 
that's one of the big pieces that we haven't, uh, we didn't originally clearly articulate within that, those layers of teams, but we see that as critical and essential in making sure that all needs of all students are met and really providing a way for us to live out our inclusive beliefs. When you talk about the collaborative team meeting structure being connected to tier two, for those that aren't familiar with what we talk about when we say the collaborative team meeting structure, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Who's at those meetings and what are they talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So the collaborative team meetings occur every three to four weeks, and we have a number of different people at that meeting. Um, we have teachers, we have EAs if possible, we've got learning support teachers, if you've got a social worker, um, admin um, are uh, it's best if admin are there as we uh, can make decisions on the fly if we've got our administrators in the meeting as well. These meetings follow a very specific structure and process and really allow us to target what are the differentiated strategies that we're using for individual students and what are the key issues that are presenting in our classroom so that we can really provide that classroom support for individual students before we start reaching out to more intensive layers. So that actually, Jen, brings me to that next piece that is uh, really critical in the learning that we have done around collaborative response, and that is uh, jumping into the process that happens in our collaborative team meetings around key issues. And I always think about this process as being uh, kind of like a balloon, <laughs> that we start with one student, and so teachers come to the meeting ready to talk about one student, but they're not going to talk about everything that they know about that student. Those kinds of conversations are reserved to the learning support team meeting or the case consult team meeting. But for the collaborative team meeting, the idea is to be able to identify a student that's in your classroom that is struggling in one way or another. We typically identify a uh, uh, area of focus for that meeting as well. So we might say that it's uh, focused on literacy or perhaps social emotional needs. So a teacher comes, identifies a student, and then uh, through the process of a facilitator, um, we identify what is the key issue that that student is actually experiencing at this time. And so that happens through a couple of questions to be able to really identify what's really, what's, what's the source of the problem that's happening right now. And then we pause and the balloon grows <laughs> because we, we pause to be able to say, okay, for this key issue, and we move away from the student, we say what other students also are experiencing that issue from the other people who are in the meeting. So now we might identify three or four students who are experiencing that same key issue, even though there was one teacher who surfaced the key issue. Then we take another step away from those students and say, okay, so let's set the students to the side and let's focus on that key issue. If this is the key issue, 
what are some ideas? What are some strategies that you currently use or have used in the past or have seen used or read about <laughs> so many different ways that we can come up with these ideas but um and then being able to create it's just this beautiful brainstorm of all kinds of ideas that can be gathered around that key issue and this allows us that um beautiful moment of shifting from talking about individual students to shifting into the conversation around practice. And we document those ideas. We document them on a paper, on a whiteboard, on a on a wall, on a on a Google Doc, however you want to be able to to document those come up with a whole bunch of different ideas. Once we've had the opportunity to explore those ideas, and then we come back to the rounding of the balloon again <laughs> and we come back to our students and we go around the table to the students that have been identified and the question is for this student what strategy are you going to employ and so there's a bit of a commitment there to be able to not just come up with a whole bunch of ideas and create this list, but actually apply those strategies to meet the needs of an individual that's in your classroom. And of course, that's where our heart is. That's why when we come to a meeting, we want to tell others all about the struggles of our students because our heart is with those kids. And this allows us to be able to come back to where our heart is around meeting the needs of those students. But in a way that we can really build our practice and meet the needs of kids at the same time. And Jen, that actually brings me to the, <laughs> to the, the last piece uh, around those foundational understandings. And that is everyone who comes to that meeting becomes both an expert, plays the role of an expert because they can share all of the strategies and ideas that they are using and employing and have found effective in their practice. So that idea of really being able to share, here are all the things that I do as an expert teacher or as an expert EA or as an expert social worker, it doesn't matter what your role is and everyone can contribute to that so everyone who's in the meeting become plays that expert role but at the same time we also have an opportunity to be able to listen to our colleagues and learn multiple strategies and ideas uh, that are happening in other classrooms as well we often refer to this as opening our toolboxes that we have an opportunity to just open things up, talk about them freely without any inhibitions, whether you're a first year teacher or you're a 25 year veteran, it doesn't matter. Our ideas are out there in order to meet the needs of the students that we have identified. Lana, you've clearly articulated three foundational understandings, the layering of the team meetings, the identification of the key issues so that we can talk about more students, and then that notion of everyone being a learner and an expert. What is it about these foundational understandings that, that you find important as we've shifted our learning and collaborative response? Oh, where do I start? <laughs> 
So I think one piece, Jen, is the clear articulation of what we provide for support. So through our continuum of supports, but also through that process of identifying key issues and, and brainstorming those ideas, but also aligning the alignment of our teams ensures that every tier of support also has a team who is going to actualize those supports and that every teacher in the building then has a very clear process around how they access those additional supports and it's to no fault of any teacher it was the way that our system has been structured in the past but we struggle with a, a student in our classroom and the first thing you do is run down to the office and ask the principal if you can get an ed site done. <laughs> and that's jumping from tier one all the way up to tier four. But we do that because there, there weren't necessarily the supports in place in the middle that we needed. And so the process around collaborative team meetings is a critical piece that really allows us to define how do we increase um, our understanding and our level of supports, our amount of supports, our, the expanse of supports in order to meet the needs of the students in our classroom prior to reaching out. And of course, we know that if we've got teachers going from classroom to external supports or classroom to even school supports, then we overwhelm the system. So the beauty of this is that we can clearly articulate what teams we have in our building and who is on each of those teams and what is their responsibility within the process of supporting the needs of students. You see these foundational understandings being more deeply understood by our partners. What are you seeing in the work that they're doing with collaborative response? You know, <laughs> Jen, it's funny. We actually uh, recently were at, at a school uh, doing some collaborative team meeting reviews, which is a process that we do once a, once a school or a school division has been working around collaborative response, implementing collaborative response for a time, then it's advantageous to have a bit of a review of those team meetings because in the team meetings surface all kinds of things that could be done. And so Curtis and I were in a collaborative uh, team meeting review at a school and we uh, sat as observers for the first part and watched them move through their team meeting. And uh, we, it was super, super interesting <laughs> because they hadn't uh, yet explored the idea of key issues because we, of course, have just uh, in the last year or so been articulating the, the concepts around the key issues. Um, but what happened was they moved from teacher to teacher. So one teacher would say, I have uh, a student to talk about. And then they would tell them all the history of the student. They would tell what they were doing currently for that student. And then, uh, and then they would perhaps, <laughs> in some cases, would ask the team, okay, so what should we do? Um, in some cases, it was just a reporting of what was happening for that student. 
And so we went from teacher to teacher. And as you watched, uh, you could even see in the body language, when it's my turn, I'm sitting forward and I'm watching carefully and listening and because I'm in the hot seat. But for the other teachers, it was, all right, well, I could add an idea or so if I wanted to, but really in the end, it's their responsibility because that's their student. And you know <laughs> that we talk often about our teams really um, living out, these are our students. And so we engage in that conversation in a way that uh, we exhibit and be able to live out that idea of these are our students. So it was kind of interesting because following the meeting, we talked about some of the changes that we have gone through in our thinking and then Curtis jumped in to say, oh, okay, can I model this process for you? And so he uh, went through that idea of moving through a key issue, identifying a student, uh, identifying a key issue, asking for other students, brainstorming, and then coming back to the commitment that we do for each of those students. It was super interesting to watch from the outside as again i said you know in the first round teachers could dis disengage when they were not in the hot seat but when we engaged them in the key issues conversation everyone was there everyone was listening everyone was engaged everyone provided ideas around those key issues because even if i haven't identified a student that i want to bring forward in this meeting i know that there are some ideas there that i could walk away with for a student that i might have in the back of my mind or perhaps a student i may have in the future but also that we are again contributing as experts in that conversation and it's not just about an individual student which we feel sometimes um, our sole responsibility for and we are really trying to move away from that idea and key issues really brings us to that place of these are all our students and so we are going to do whatever we can to meet the needs of all of our students in that cohort. Lorna, you have often compared the layering of those teams. You talk very specifically here about the collaborative team meeting, but how it used to be this layer worked in isolation and this layer worked in isolation and there wasn't a lot of conversation going back and forth. What are you seeing now as teams more clearly articulate those layers of teams? Oh, eh it makes all the difference in the world. <laughs> Just, I think there's a great parallel behind, you know, traditionally uh, each of us working in our own classroom. And I can say that I, I, I worked in the system at that point <laughs> where you had your classroom, your students, you were solely responsible for their success and solely responsible for um, providing supports when they were struggling. And, uh, only getting support if there were really complex needs that existed in your classroom and then you might have somebody else coming in to provide that support when we identify our teams we identify what their purpose is within that continuum then we also 
think about how do we communicate from one team to the next? And so there are a number of ways that schools are doing that now. So when we um, engage in our collaborative team meeting and in that team meeting, one of the indicators um, that we need to move this student onto the next level is that we're spending a lot of time talking about that one child. And we would pause to be able to say, okay, we're spending a lot of time here in this meeting. Um, we need to be able to surface some of those key issues that are happening in the bigger classroom. If this student is taking up substantial time, then we should move that student on to the learning support team meeting that will happen in the next week <laughs> or so. <laughs> and, and that idea of being able to communicate clearly, when is it time to be able to move a student from one team to the next? And uh, we can do that in a number of different ways. Uh, sometimes schools have shared Google Docs where they're moving students to the next team or the agendas are always open. So the students are added to those agendas when they need to be added to the next one. Um, we, of course, have We Collab. And uh, that software allows us to be able to move a student from one team board to the next, which, um, which again, provides a great communication so that when the next team comes into the meeting, they know exactly the students who they need to talk about because they've been moved on from the last. You've talked about these foundational understandings. We know that there's been some big shifts in collaborative response and people are starting to implement some of these as they learn with us as we're partners. What do you anticipate might the future look like for students and educators as this becomes more integrated in collaborative response practices across the province, the country, the world? So first of all, I think, and this is the most important piece to all of us as educators, and again, I'll go back to our heart <laughs> that are we engaged in this work in the first place to meet the needs of students and when collaborative response and these structures that i've talked about today are uh, embedded and and clearly articulated and functioning well that's a lot of expectations <laughs> but when they're functioning well then we can ensure that we are meeting the needs of all of our students because we have the level of supports that are required in order to meet the needs of everyone. And, and again, I'll go back to that idea of uh, inclusion that we've, we've talked about um, moving to inclusive practice for a long time, which really is a belief system. And collaborative response is the way that we are able to live out those inclusive beliefs. So if we have a student who is really excelling and uh, is beyond expectations at a grade level, but there's still a challenge there where we need to be able to talk about that student, we can talk about that student in collaborative team meetings and bring up, so what do we do to support that student who is so advanced? But we also have the structures to be able to talk about how do we support kids in our classroom who may have just a few individualized needs or who might have or who might require additional supports in reading, but is a whiz in math. 
so doesn't require anything additional in math. So we know that that jagged profile too is met through the structures that we implement through collaborative response. The other beautiful thing that happens, Jen, <laughs> is uh, the move from teachers feeling solely responsible for the success of their students that now we can step out beyond and know that we have teams that are working together. And we know that the diverse students that we have in our classrooms now, we can't possibly be the person who knows everything and anything about that student to provide what they need. We actually need to be able to work work with and reach out to our colleagues, but to do that in a systematic way so that we can commit to the supports that we're putting in place and held to those commitments by our team members. Had an interesting conversation with a school leader yesterday who made a comment of, once you get into this collaborative response, you can never go back because people just <laughs> want it and want more. Yeah. Yeah, we, Jen, we have had a number of times where a teacher has come to us and said, you know, when I first heard about this, when they, we first started working on it in our school, I was, yeah, okay, so when is this going to be over? Because it's just another one of those things. And then within a year going, okay, I, I would never do this any differently. I don't know how we would do it any differently than what we're doing now. Do you consider those foundational understandings and the shifts that have taken in collaborative response? Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share? We are always growing and learning. And we would hope that all of our colleagues in education are always growing and learning. And so at this point, when we share ideas around collaborative response, we have done a ton of learning over the last number of years as we've been working with colleagues, schools, districts across the province and beyond. Um, but we know that we will continue to shift and change and continue to implement new practice as we come across uh, shifts and adjustments that we can make within collaborative response to be able to ensure that we meet the needs of kids. It's all about learning. And it's all about getting going and just getting started. Well, Lorna, I thank you for your time. I know that we've always expressed the appreciation for our partners because of the work that they allow us to engage in alongside them. And so allow me to express on behalf of our partners, thank you for sharing the story of the shifts and the learning that you're doing alongside them. I know that it is appreciated as we get to continue to tell the growth and the learning that is happening. So thank you. Well, thank you so much, Jen. It's been great chatting with you today.